This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today and for following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my amazing, beautiful service dog, Lovey. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to be talking with Emily Zier. And Emily is a puppy raiser for Canine Companions for Independence. And she's going to be talking with us about her experiences as a puppy raiser and her advocacy work that she's been doing. Emily's been doing some really cool things and we're so excited to visit with her today. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Emily Zier to the show. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. This is Ed Lukasevic. And Cindy Lukasevic at Dinovite. This year, whenever you order a 90-day supply of Dinovite for your dog, we'll send you a free sample of one of the other doggy things we make. Like Lico Chops, Super Mega Fish Oil, or Doggo Suds Shampoo. What's on your dog's wish list? We'll offer a different freebie each week at Dinovite.com. Don't you just love the sound of healthy, happy dogs? Dinovite is nutrition. Dinovite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're so excited to have Emily Zier with us today. Hello, Emily, and welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, well, we're so glad you could be with us and talk to us about all the cool things you've done working with puppies. So tell us, Emily, how did you get started as a puppy raiser? So that's a great question. I started when I was a freshman in college and a mandatory rule by my parents was if they were going to pay for school for my sister and I, we had to volunteer while we were away at college. And so I was looking into things to volunteer for and I ran into someone raising a puppy and I asked them all about it. And I thought this is a great way to not only volunteer, but have a dog while I'm away at college. And so I looked into it and I immediately signed up and I got my first puppy the spring of my freshman year. Wow. And so tell us, what was that like being in college and and having a puppy with you? It was so much fun because I felt like I really was able to socialize the dogs in a way that sometimes they aren't able to be socialized in terms of being on a college campus. And they went to all my classes with me. And actually, I lived in a sorority house for two years. So my dogs got to live with 50 other women. And They had a whole family pretty much taking care of them and taking them on walks. And it was really a team effort, which was great for the dogs to get used to all different types of people. And um, they were never lonely. I always had someone to watch the dogs if I needed to study. But they learned a lot really being on a college campus and being in the younger scene, which I thought was great for them. And I also, I went to University of Maryland, so we were right outside of D.C., so they got to go into the city and experience the metro and do a lot of great city stuff as well. 
wow, yeah, that's perfect because of the loud noises and all the activity mm-hmm. and hustle and bustle. That would be perfect for them. So how many yeah, dogs have great. you trained so far? I'm currently on my sixth puppy, and his name wow. is Giovanni. Wow, six puppies. That's awesome. And have you worked with mm-hmm. the same organization the whole time? I haven't. So I worked with the Guide Dog Foundation for the Blind for my first three puppies, and I'm currently a puppy raiser for our Canine Companions for Independence. And I think I'll probably be a CCI puppy raiser for life because they are just such a phenomenal organization, and they really, really appreciate their volunteers. And it's just been such a positive experience. So I'm already thinking about my next puppy and how I'm going to make that work around my schedule. (laughs) Well, and so what are the differences between training, being a puppy raiser for a guide dog versus a service dog? Are there any differences? There are a lot of, yes, there are. The guide dogs are, they have to learn something called intelligent disobedience. And so since they're assisting someone who is visually impaired, a lot of times they need to make decisions for that person. So for example, if a blind person wants to cross the street, They give the dog the command to walk, but the dog has to be smart enough to say no and actually disobey if there is a car coming. So that takes a lot of self-control, awareness, and courage to say no to your handler when, you know, you're trained to obey. And so that's the main difference. And with the canine companions dogs, they're generally going to individuals who are mobility impaired. And so we don't provide service dogs to individuals who are blind. And so our dogs have a little bit of different personalities. They're much more task-based. So they're performing a lot of tasks for people who uh, may not be able to use their hands or may have issues just with mobility in general. And so they're actually, in my experience, they're allowed to be much more social as puppies, which I love. So when I was raising guide dogs, No one was allowed to pet the dog. The dog had to be constantly kind of in work mode. Whereas when I raised the CCI puppies, it's actually encouraged that they be talked to and people approach them and you train them to stay calm while they're being pet. And I think part of this is because a lot of times when someone is in a wheelchair, there is a stigma or someone is disabled and a lot of people don't approach them and it affects their social life as well. But when you have this adorable little puppy, you want to encourage people to be social with these individuals. And so it's actually a welcoming. That's why we raise um, the breed we do because they're so welcoming and loving, these golden labs. And so we actually encourage people to be social with our dogs so we can give that to our recipient. They get this kind of benefit of having social interaction that they might not have gotten before because people are so concentrated on their wheelchair, but now they're concentrated on the fact they have this adorable dog next to them. I love that you brought that up because that is, you know, that is such a hidden benefit that people don't even think about. But I have to tell you that I used to, because I'm a wheelchair user, and I used to just be so self-conscious when I would be sitting and waiting on a friend or waiting on Mm -hmm. my husband. I hated it. But once I got my dog, it was a totally different experience because, like you said, they're so adorable. How can you not, when you see them, you're so attracted to them, you don't even see a wheelchair or any other thing that that may be different. You know, all you see is this adorable 
bundle of fur. So I love yep. that. And it's so great. And it is such a hidden benefit that, that really changes people's lives because it did me. Now I don't think anything about sitting in a coffee shop or, you know, sitting somewhere by myself. But before I really did. And I didn't like it because I could feel the stairs. But now I feel the stairs, but they're toward my adorable little lovey girl and mm-hmm. not me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's great. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear that because that is, you know, it is something that people don't really think about, but it's a huge benefit of having this dog with you. People are no longer thinking, oh, I want, you know, this woman is disabled. They're thinking, this woman has the cutest dog. I want to go up and say hi. And so, and that's great. And that's what we want. We don't want people to be noticed for their disability. We want people to be noticed for how great people they are. And, you know, they have this cute little dog. And we want you to come up and get to know that person for who they are, not because, you know, or avoid them because they're in a wheelchair and it might make you uncomfortable. Well, how long do the puppies stay with you, Emily? So it depends on each dog, and I think it depends on how many dogs they come out in their breeding program at one time. Um, my first two dogs I had for 18 months, and this dog I have right now, Geo, I'll have a little bit longer. So I picked him up in June, and I will give him back in February of 2018. So I haven't done the math, and maybe that is 18 months, but he's the longest I've had. So it's between when the dog is 16 to 18 months old, and you pick him up at two months old. Oh, my goodness. I bet that is so much fun to go pick them up. How great is that? (laughs) It's such a great day. They're so cute. And actually, with my last one, the way it works, I'm sure, as you know, is you hand your dogs in when you're finished with them, and which is just a really heart-wrenching day. You're proud and you're excited that you've been able to do this for someone, but at the same time, you're saying goodbye to your best friend and your little dog that you've loved for, you know, a year and a half. And so... I actually picked up my puppy the day I gave my dog back. So it was a whirl of emotions because I said goodbye to my, my rebel. And then I picked up my Toshi and I was just, I didn't know what to do because I had this adorable, sweet puppy in my arms and I missed my old dog, but it does, it makes the transition a little easier when you do it that way. I love that. Yeah, that is, that is so great because I can only imagine how bittersweet that moment is. And that's what people always, you know, when I do meet people out in public, they're always saying, I wish I could raise a dog, but I just couldn't give it up. And what would you say to them, Emily? What advice would you give someone? Because we need more puppy raisers. Yeah, I sure. And, you know, actually, my CCI is trying to think of something that we can actually explain to people on how it's not our dog and it's not, you're not giving something up. You're, you know, you're proud, you're giving a gift. So I just explained to them that it is honestly the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And I love my dogs with my whole heart, but they're not my dog. They're dogs that I go in knowing that I'm going to be giving to another person. And they're a gift. You know, they're a gift to me because I learned so much and each dog is different and I have the best experiences with them. But you go in with the mindset that you're not adopting a dog and you're keeping a dog and this is going to be the dog with your children and you're getting a dog for a year and a half and you're going to give this dog to someone. And as much as my dogs have been gifts, the individuals who have received my dogs have been even bigger gifts. And I would raise... 25 more dogs for the little boy that has my last dog. He is my hero in every way. And I love him to bits. And so when I think about the dogs, and even when I look at Gio, the dog I have right now, I get so excited to give him back because I know I'll see him again. But I just get so excited knowing that he's going to go to someone and I may love him, but that person needs him and they will trust me. They will love him just as much as I have, but they will have this special bond 
And so, you know, it's a long conversation to have with a stranger that asks you that question, but I try to make it so clear that it's the best thing I've ever done. It's not like you're giving your pet away. You know from the beginning what you're doing. And honestly, after the first one, you can ask any puppy raiser. You are so hooked on this process because it's a beautiful thing to be able to give this to someone else and know that you put your heart and your soul into this puppy and you've affected their learning and their personality. And now you get to connect with this other person who has your dog. That's so awesome, Emily. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, that is just so beautiful that you can have that mindset and that attitude about it because you nailed it. I mean, that's really it, that you are training this incredible being that is going to go out in the world and change, I mean, have such an impact on somebody's life that somebody who might not have been able to get out in the world or who would be totally dependent on other people and because of this dog and the work and the love that you've put into them you're changing that which is just so wonderful I just can't tell you how much I applaud you for being able to do that because it's changed my life and I know of so many others who who it's changed and, and I just am so thankful for that so tell us about when you're working with your dogs with your puppies what's the process like when you get them they're about two months old and then how do you start working with them how many commands are you responsible for training before you give them back Oh, goodness, I should know this better. But I mean, I know my process. I can't give you the exact number of commands, but I can give you some of them. But so yeah, you pick them up when they're eight weeks old, and you start the socialization process immediately. So you have this little puppy who is going to go out into the world and see all the sights and smell everything and, you know, be introduced to these loud noises and these different people. And so you want to start as soon as possible, because you don't want them to ever react to anything. So you want it to be normal from the beginning. So when they're eight weeks old, I generally try to take them on walks as much as I can. You have to be careful because you need to still avoid other dogs since they're not fully vaccinated. I try to get them in the car as much as possible. What else do I do with them? I make sure we do lots of snuggles, lots of stuff around the house, going upstairs, working on stairs, making sure they're not chewing on anything, introducing them to all different surfaces and textures if you can. So if you can find, you know, a sewer grate or something near your house that you can get the dog used to. Get them out in leaves if you can. Just get them on every different surface. And so as they're growing up, none of these things are unfamiliar to them. They've known them from the get-go. I try to have many people come over and see the puppy. So he's used to lots of people, different smells. And then as they get older, you start transitioning. And once you know they're fully potty trained and that they're you know, able to behave in public properly, you start taking them out with you. And so my transition was I would take my puppy onto campus. And so once he was vaccinated, I knew I could take him on campus. He would start seeing cars drive by. Actually, at University of Georgia, where I'm getting my doctorate right now, we have other dogs being raised. So he would see other dogs walking around. He would see statues. He would see fountains. He would start seeing new things. And then gradually, I would take him to class with me. And my program is obviously pretty small since it's a doctoral program. So everyone gets to know the puppies and they know all the rules. So they don't, they don't intrude on the training. And slowly, they just become kind of emerged in the world that we're emerged in. And they don't know any different. And so people always say to me, my dog could never do that. Well, you haven't been taking your dog with a vest on in public since they were eight old. So, you know, they don't know any different. I think if I took Gio right now at six months old and tried to take him out into class or into a restaurant, there's no way he would do this well. And so that's kind of the process. And then in the meantime, CCI gives you 
a list of commands. And so you start out with the very basics, the sit, the shake, the lay down. And the main thing, what you want them to be able to do is to know their name, to go to the bathroom on command. That's very important because imagine, I'm sure as you know, you have a service dog that you need them to go to the bathroom whenever you need them to. And so they have to be able to go on command and on any surface. So that's the first thing I really teach them when I'm potty training them. And then it transitions into speaking, rolling over, jumping up, getting into the car, and they start using their paws and their nose for more things. And so I would say there's probably about 12 to 15 commands. I might be over-exaggerating for every six months that you have the dog. And they give you a sheet to fill out and you can call whenever you have questions. And then we also attend classes. So they do a really great job of making sure you understand the commands and you're following up and you're keeping up with them. Wow, that sounds so cool. And so how often do you go to class? Do you go weekly or do you go monthly? With the puppy or with my classes? With it. Well, sorry, that's right, because you're doing both classes with your puppy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying so to yes, think about... I do bi-weekly. Oh, bi-weekly. Okay, because I was just thinking about yeah. all the things you were saying and how much time commitment it is, because I know people are so busy working. So I was just thinking about that. How often do you have to go to class? How much time do you think it takes out of your schedule a week to actually be a puppy raiser? But it sounds like you incorporate it into your life, so... It just sounds like you're you're just absorbing that with taking the puppy to your classes and around campus so that you're still living your life, but you've integrated this other little being into it. Absolutely. And that's why I encourage students to really look into puppy raising because my situation is so unique in that I, you know, I got my undergrad, my bachelor's degree, and then I got my master's and now I'm working on my doctorate. And so I've had puppies throughout this whole process, but I don't have a nine to five. So I don't have to kennel him during the day. I don't have to leave him at home at any point. He really just is, he's my left arm. I mean, it's so weird when I don't have him because I am so used (laughs) to having his leash in my hand that he really does go everywhere with me and people will see me and they know me because I'm the girl with the dog and everyone just everywhere I go grocery shopping to classes anywhere and everywhere. I mean, he goes to the dentist with me. He is always at my side and I'm lucky because I have such a flexible schedule and I am a student that I can incorporate him into everything. And not only that, but people love it. They welcome having a dog in the classroom with open arms. And not only that, I also teach undergrad students. So he goes with me to teach my classes, which my students love. And he learns immediately how to behave in the classroom, how to lay down, how to ignore the 30 students I'm teaching. And I think it's great socialization for the dog. And I think if you have such a flexible schedule like mine, why wouldn't you raise a puppy? Well, I could not agree with you more. Well, we are going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. But we're going to come back and and I want to talk with you, Emily, when we get back about the young um, the young boy that you talked about who actually was a recipient of one of your dogs and we want to talk about that when we come back so you come back after these quick messages and we'll keep visiting with Emily we'll be right back right after these messages stay tuned designerpetsweaters.com hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat beautiful couture patterns for your pets including custom-knitted formal wear casual wear yachting and even sports themed many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats top hats and a lot of sparkle each sweater includes leg loops 
front paw sleeves and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we are visiting today with Emily Zier, a puppy raiser for Canine Companions for Independence. And Emily's sharing with us so many wonderful, really the whole scoop on what it's like to be a puppy raiser, which is so exciting to hear. And before the break, Emily, you mentioned about one of the recipients of your dogs that really touched you so deeply. Can you tell us a little bit more about him and about how you, if you get to meet the people that actually get your puppies? Sure, I would absolutely love to, since this is my favorite part of raising puppies. The little boy who received my last dog is, my last dog's name is Toshi, and the little boy's name is Will, and he's 12 years old, and he has an autoimmune disorder that's incredibly rare, and it affects some of his behaviors and clearly affects his health. And so he's had a difficult time concentrating in school, and it's just stressful for a 12-year-old boy to kind of have these health issues. And he has just the most phenomenal supportive family. And his mother, I believe, is a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And she had recommended service dogs to her patients and then realized, why am I not doing this for my son? And so they applied for a CCI puppy. And the process is quite grueling. So they have to apply and give a presentation and explain why they want the puppy, which I did not know until I met Will. And so, which I'm sure was daunting for Will, but so he made his presentation and explained why he wanted a puppy and he was accepted into the program. And it was kind of fate how quickly he got accepted and he came in for training. And so how it works is they bring a cohort of individuals in and they have a cohort of dogs ready and they let the individuals work with all the dogs. And so they let the dogs and the people make their own match. So it's not just they walk in and they have a dog assigned to them. They get to work with all the puppies until they figure out which one is the right one for them. So you really know it's meant to be when you meet these people, which is really cool. And I'll never forget, I got the phone call this year on my birthday, and it was the best (laughs) gift I could have ever gotten. They explained to me who Toshi was going to, a 12-year-old little boy, and I just started crying because I could (laughs) not imagine a better match for my little Toshi. He is quite the funny personality. He's a little lazy, a little hard to motivate, but he just loves to love. And I always wanted him to go to a child. And so I was over the moon and I traveled up to New York where I handed Toshi in and they do a phenomenal job. They do this graduation ceremony and this lunch. And so I was very nervous to see Toshi again. I had not seen him since I handed him in six months ago. And then I was going to meet the family and it was just, 
this moment where I was supposed to be in this in the cafeteria waiting for the family, and I was out in the hallway, and I saw Will's mom, and she saw me, and we just knew, and we both started crying, and we hugged <laughs> each other, and his dad was there, and his uh, grandmother and grandfather were there, and his little brother Danny, who I love to bits as well, was there, and Will was just, you know, I embraced his mother, and then I, I met Will, and I was crying, and I thought, this 12-year-old kid is going to think I'm nuts, because you know, he's like, why are you crying? And you're holding my dog. But he just gave me the biggest hug. And he said, thank you so much for raising Toshi for me. And I just melted. And he told me all the things he loves about Toshi, which was so fun to hear because it's all the things I loved about Toshi. And it was funny because we actually gave him the same nickname. We both called him Polar Bear because he's this bright white little lab with this black nose. And so we already had so much in common. And we're sitting there and we're having lunch together. And I'm, you know, I'm not a big kid person, but Will just immediately became my favorite human on the planet. And he's telling me all the things he loves to do with Toshi. And his mother is just telling me how grateful she is. It was honestly the best day of my life. So we go out and we have, there's this beautiful ceremony where they let you know how much they appreciate you. And then you have to say goodbye to the dog that you've said goodbye to six months ago. And then you're saying goodbye to again. And you you don't think it's going to be this hard, but it's really hard to see them again. So I thought kind of, this is it. And I was sad. Will texts me every week with a photo of him and Toshi. He threw Toshi a huge birthday party, complete with a birthday hat and banners and invited friends and cupcakes with paw prints and everything. He sent me a picture of them in their Halloween costumes last week. And he sent me a card and he he always refers to me as his hero, which is funny because he's my hero. But um, his mother says every night when he goes to bed, he prays and he, he thanks God for his disorder because it brought him Toshi. And to me, there's just no other thing I've done in life that has brought such meaning that I've been able to give this boy this puppy and he loves Toshi more than I could just, I love Toshi because he's a cute little puppy and I raised him for a year and a half, but Will appreciates him and he has just become a part of who Will is. And I talk to his mother often as well. His mother's name is Laura and she's just the most wonderful person, but she said he's doing so much better in school and he's sleeping better And he's just a different person now. And I wish I could express how much I love this family. And I love my dogs. I do. But this little boy is the end. I mean, he is what makes me wake up in the morning. I have his picture on my dresser. And I just adore him because he has challenges in life. And he works through them. And I'm just so happy that I could just make something a little easier for him. And I just, every day, I just, it's the one thing I am so proud of that I've done in my life. And I would, you know, I would raise 25 more dogs for him. I'm so excited to be part of his life for the next 10 years. Well, and I don't have any doubt that you will raise 25 more dogs, Emily. That sounds so awesome. Yeah, because you've had that glimpse. You've experienced the magic. You know, I mean, that's really what it is, that magical relationship. And you really got a glimpse into that. And once you do, it's intoxicating. I mean, it really is. It is. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And you certainly have been a part of that magic and you continue to be, which is just so phenomenal. Well, and you've also done some other really cool stuff as far as access laws, right? And you've done some other types of advocating for assistance dogs. When I was an undergrad at Maryland, I was having issues finding housing and getting access to just basic areas with my service dog that I was raising at the time, Rhonda. And she was just a cute little black lab. But, and I thought, you know, what's going on here? Because the policy is if a 
business or anywhere ever asks you to leave or they're uncomfortable with the dog, you just leave, even though it's legal for you to bring the dog into their establishment. You want to respect them. And so, but I started wondering, you know, what's going on here? What are the laws? Do I have access? And so I researched the laws. I'm a, my doctorate's in public policy. My undergrad was in political science. So I kind of had a little interest in this in the first place. But I researched the laws. I realized that they were lacking. And not only that, but the penalties for how you treat individuals with service dogs were quite mild. And so I wrote to my state senators and I just wrote them letters saying, I thought we could change the laws. I thought they needed, we needed more comprehensive policy about access and how important it is for people raising puppies to have access. And I got a response from Senator David Brinkley, who I believe is not a senator in Maryland anymore, but he invited me into his office and he sat me down and we kind of discussed what I wanted to be changed. And there were some things that were, you know, easy to change and some things he was like, oh, I don't know if we're going to make this work, Emily, because I was just going full blast. I was like, let's do everything. And so we changed what we could. And essentially, we just made it, we ensured that individuals raising puppies had the same access that an individual who's disabled has, which is the whole point of puppy raising. You need to get these dogs into restaurants, into the library, into anywhere that someone who's disabled might want to go. And so that wasn't the law in Maryland. And so we changed it. And I testified before the Maryland Senate. I brought Rhonda in and I gave a speech and they were able to ask me questions. And it passed unanimously in both the House and the Senate. And then I was a special guest the day the governor signed my bill into law. So I brought Rhonda and Governor O'Malley signed the bill into law and we got up there and got our picture taken. And it was, it was really cool to see that, you know, the change was happening with service dogs and that hopefully it gave people more opportunities to raise these service dogs in Maryland. That is so wonderful. And I know that that's a big issue for a lot of states that puppy raisers and puppies don't always have the same access as certified or graduate dogs have. So it's so wonderful that you did that because, like you said, it's so important that they have all those experiences to prepare them. How can they be an adult working dog if they don't have those experiences? So that's such a great example of how democracy works and how we can, Mm -hmm. how one person can make such a difference for so many others. So that's, that's so incredible. Thank you for sharing that story with us. And that's really awesome and amazing. And we love to celebrate those things during International Assistance Dog Week every year. So we were so excited that, that you shared that and that you took that initiative. Well, our time is almost coming to an end, but I have to ask you one one last question, and, and you've touched on this, but can you tell us what's the greatest lesson, Emily, that you've learned out of spending all this time with these six amazing puppies? What have you learned? What's been your biggest lesson? I think my biggest lesson in terms of just spending time with the dogs is life is so much better when you take the perspective of a dog. You know, they love everyone. They can find happiness in the smallest of things. And they don't judge anyone based on religion, race, you know, nothing. You're nice to them. You approach them. You're warm to them. They're warm and they love you back. And I think that's been the biggest lesson for me is just embrace people. Be kind to people because my dogs are always so excited to meet new people and to enjoy these new experiences. And it really has brought a new perspective to my life because Sometimes I step out in the day-to-day and it's just another day until I look and I see Gio wagging his tail and enjoying every moment of the sunshine. And it really just 
does bring a positive, happy attitude into your life. And they kind of just, they teach you how to live and to be happy and to enjoy the moment. And so that's been a huge thing for me. When I have the dogs, you know, sometimes there's a transition between when I have a puppy and my dog has gone off and I don't have a new one yet. And I see the difference in the way I live my life. And when I have the dogs, I'm just so much happier because they just bring such a new perspective to life, to loving others and to enjoying every moment. And so that's been a huge lesson I've learned from them. And then in terms of what the whole picture, it's just there are bigger purposes in life than you and you might love these dogs, but there's nothing in the world like giving back. And so I encourage everyone to think about that in any way they can to always give back because you will feel so much better than you did if you just kept this dog for the rest of your life. It's always better to give something and give to someone else and give to something bigger than yourself. So I think those are the two things that I've really taken away and that I hope I'll carry with me through the rest of my life. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And then you just if you could tell our listeners, if anyone's out there who wants to be a puppy raiser or wants more information about it, what should they do, Emily? Absolutely. So just go to cci.org if you're interested in Canine Companions, which I highly recommend. And they have a part of their website that's all about puppy raising. And you can fill out an application online. And if you're interested in other organizations, you can Google service dog organizations and they all, it's generally called puppy raising. So you can go online and you can research it. And there are plenty of options. You don't have to take a dog on your own. Sometimes you can partner with someone else, but they make it as flexible as possible. And honestly, it's one of the best things I've ever done. I highly recommend everyone to at least just look into doing it. Well, thank you so much for being with us and for sharing your story and your experiences, Emily. And thank you for all the puppies that you're raising and for all the puppies still to come. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm glad that you're so interested in something I love so much. Absolutely. Well, it really is my favorite subject. So thank you so much. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We really are so glad you could join us. And we love to hear from you. So please keep those emails coming. And you can reach Lovey and me at Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And you can also follow Working Like Dogs on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can read our blog at Working Like Dogs. Dogs.com. So let's stay connected. Thanks so much and take good care. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>